Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central. Simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ. LaFiera, alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? Doing good. Uh, another great night of baseball that just wrapped up. Uh, a lot of action tonight, and uh, yeah, really highlighted some of the star players in the league that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. So overall, uh, not a terrible night at all. Yeah, certainly a quite quite a bit of exciting baseball, particularly in the National League here. So, Brandon, why don't we take it away? All right, yeah. Uh, starting off with the Nationals and the Rays uh, and our guy Kyle Schwarber. Should we just give the home run derby crown to him right now? Because he is absolutely – go first, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He has to be the first hitter because – Ever since they move him to the leadoff spot, he is on a ridiculous pace here, hitting his 25th homer of the year, opening up the game. And then his good buddy Juan Soto hits a two-run bomb just two batters later. The Nats go up 3 nothing early. Bottom two, Victor Robles with his first homer of the year makes it 4 nothing. Brandon Lau then... Puts Tampa on the board 
uh, with his 16th homer of the year in the fifth. Kevin Kiermeyer doubles in the sixth to pull within two. And then top nine, Mike Zanino goes deep, pulls the race within one, but they're unable to get it done. And the Nats win this one four to three. Joe Ross, six and a third, two earned runs and seven Ks. Now five and seven for him. He gets the win. The loss to Rich Hill, six innings, four earned runs, uh, allows three home runs there. And Brad Hand gets his 18th save of the season. You know, this is just such an impressive tear. I don't think we can, anyone can understate what Kyle Schwerber is doing right now is nothing short than brilliant. I do have oh, to check. Uh, um, he's now two-thirds of the way to a, to a bingo bango. He yeah. is? Okay, because, yeah, so it's, what is it now? 15 homers in 18 games, 16 homers in 19 games? So it's tw- it's 12 home runs, or it's 13 home runs in 11 games, I think. And then... 11 games? But it extends further than that. In the month yeah. of June, he has hit 16 home runs. Oh, yeah. I want to say that is in how many games? Uh, I have that listed, do they? Oh, well, he hit his first home run of June on June 12th against the Giants. Okay. So, yeah, about roughly – yeah, either way. Yeah, it's basically, if I'm correct, um, not to get caught up in this. 16 he, and 17 games, I just counted. Yeah, 16. All right, so 16 and 17 games. He <laughs> has one, one bingo bango Yahtzee in this. No, it's just like every other day. Yeah, it's every other day, and a, a good chunk of them are multi-home run games. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it's crazy to just – Look at this guy's overall uh, season stats. LJ, on June 12th, his season OPS was 720. It is only about 17 days later, and his season OPS is 912. I mean, that's almost 200-point jump. 200-point jump. And this... Leadoff spot is really working out for him, uh, and I just want to see him keep keep going. I mean, obviously he's he's gonna slow down, but he really is having a just an insane tear. I honestly can't say I've seen anything like this, and yeah, it should be entertaining. For our own sake, Kyle Schwerber can never slow down. No, it he just has to, to keep going. He he needs to hit. 74 home runs and break the record. No, he's going to be um, – what team would bring him in? Let's go with the Tigers. He's going to be like 43 on the Detroit Tigers as their designated hitter, just hitting moonshots every third game. And everyone's just going to be perfectly pleased with that. Hey, I mean, that's a huge ballpark. If he's still doing it then, props to him. True. What we got next? We got the the Cubs and the Brewers. And uh, in this one, hold on, let me navigate to the game here, which is right here. There was not a lot going on. Uh, bottom one, 
Christian Yelich, boy, the Brewers could really use him to get high as his contract extension kicks in next year. Uh, he rips an RBI double that gives the, the Brewers a one nothing lead in the bottom of the first. Patrick Wisdom, another guy who has been hot as of late, uh, he then uh, doubles in the fourth to tie the game. And in the bottom of that fourth inning, Jace Peterson singles uh, that scores a run, makes it 2-1 to one Brewers, and that score would hold for the rest of the game. Milwaukee wins. Both of their hits drive in runs, but only two total hits on the night for the Brew Crew, and they escape with a win. The win goes to Brandon Woodruff, six innings, four earned, one hit, and eight Ks. A very nice start from him, now seven and three. The season ERA sits at 1.87. Give the loss to Zach Davies, four innings, two hits, two earned, and six Ks. The Cubs bullpen pitches four no-hit innings after him, but unable to get uh, the win. And Josh Hader with his 20th save on the year. His ERA is very good now, too, at 0.55. This is the most 2021 Milwaukee Brewers game that I've ever seen. Two hits, two runs. And they get a gem from from Brandon Woodruff and somehow almost blow it. So the the amount that they get consistently bailed out by an incredibly good pitching staff on both sides, start and relief, is maddening. If if I were the if I were a fan of the team, it would just drive me crazy every single time it was out there because I know the entirety of my game is dependent on one half inning like I mean with most teams I mean the Red Sox I mean we're going to talk about it later I mean you, you can have a much improved pitching staff you can have a good pitching staff but they need an offense who can pick up the slack when things aren't going well and vice versa there is no offense there and I mean again I don't want to sound like a broken record but this is a daily baseball podcast but I am genuinely shocked that they have not been able to find an answer. I mean, with that being said, they've won seven straight, but they haven't been able to find an answer to make this offense feel like it's an actual threat. I mean, it's not even the worst offense in their division, but Brandon, have you ever been felt threatened watching this team? I mean, certainly the pitching is very scary. Yes. I mean, no, no, I, I mean, no, the offense. oh no, offensively, no, a- absolutely not. No, uh, if if this team just had an average pitching staff, they would be like a third or fourth place team with the way that they play. Uh, and the fact that they have three really shut down starters is safe to call them that at this point. Uh, is just such a blessing for them because they because they can't hit i mean they've only scored 335 runs this year believe it or not it is more than than some than some of these teams that are up there but in terms of like where you need to be to compete this offense is nowhere close to where it should be i mean they've gotten outscored by the diamondbacks this year and that's a team that's 22 and 59 i mean it's just, I don't understand because 
you would think that they would have a good offense, right? Like they have the players there. I mean, like they, it's not like they have, uh, all right, first of all, a Christian Yelich, him just completely falling off the face of the earth after 2019 hasn't helped. Uh, You signed Colton Wong, who certainly has been probably their best hitter this year. I mean, he's hitting pretty close to 300. So that's a plus. Yeah, I would would still probably give it to um, Yelich, but you're you're right. I mean, he's certainly a... Oh, yeah. uh, I'm not sure if he's a... He's uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's certainly a plus hitter. But my point is, other than him, I mean, sure, you've gotten a little bit of contribution from Avasayel Garcia. He's like your real power hitter on this team. Outside of that, there's nothing. I mean, Luis Urias has gotten better lately. He's a young shortstop or, or young, young uh, middle Second. infielder. But LJ, Keston Hura, Jackie Bradley Jr. I mean, Jackie Bradley's a guy who you who they bring in certainly for his his defense, but you expect him to hit a better than 160. No. No, you don't. No, like one <laughs> I watched him his entire career. Like I remember him coming up. You don't expect him to. You're pleasantly surprised during the stretches where he does but you do not expect him to. They've done exactly what... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a they ha- would have to do for him to fail in this position because they have too many outfielders that they're trying to start too many defensive outfielders even more so to the point where he's not getting regular time the reason that Jackie Bradley worked in Boston was because when he was there he was their everyday center fielder he's been moving in and out of the lineup in and out of positions and I'm not saying that he like if he plays at somewhere other than center, his game's thrown off. I'm saying not giving him, like if you're not giving him a full 150 games each year, then he is going to, I think he can easily struggle to keep that, you know, the momentum going because he's so streaky that if you're breaking up that momentum, it's hard to get on a hot or even, even necessarily sustain, sustain a true cold. So you're going to just see him kind of floating in that 180 to 150 range, I think, for the majority of this year. I mean, I hope it straightens out for him, but they're just not putting him in a position for this. And not only does the buck stop at him, because currently on their injured list, they have quite a few guys who they at least expected to be impact bats on their team this year. Mm-hmm. Uh Daniel Vogelback, I mean, that guy was an all-star in 2019, and he's been hurt. He just got hurt last week. Uh, Travis Shaw. 
Yeah, just you know, Travis Shaw. His shoulder in, in the in the middle of June, but that's a guy who you expect to be an impact bat from the, the left-hand side, certainly. Travis Shaw, I was actually about to mention that you don't have Kested Huria sniffing this everyday lineup if a guy like Travis Shaw is there. He easily can be, and before he got hurt, was their answer at first base. Daniel Vogelback was getting limited time over there before Shaw went on the IL. He eventually comes back and hopefully, you know, can solidify that position. But again, yeah, the, the point is you can't have this many spots burning, like just doing absolutely nothing. No, and the one last spot that, you know, a guy who they could certainly use back is Lorenzo Cain. And it's gotten to the point where I think it's safe to say that this guy struggles to stay on the field now. Uh, Hmm. Since 2020, he's only played in 36 games. Uh, A guy who had pretty good durability for quite a stretch there when he's – you know, finishing third in MVP on the Royals, seventh in MVP in 2018 on the the Brewers, and then wins the gold glove in 2019. He's just been a shell of himself since then. And, you know, it's certainly hard to watch. And I would assume as a a Brewers fan that it it is tough because this is a guy who you have to pay $18 million next year, $17 million this year, and you're not really getting that much production. You know, looking back on this deal that you you gave him in 2018, $80 million over five years, was that worth it? Because this is year four, and you've gotten 36 games in the past two seasons of baseball, counting this one. So, you know, I don't know. It's 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 tough because that's a team that, doesn't spend money in free agency. I remember specifically talking about that. And then they 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 go out, they try to get Justin Turner. Instead, they end up with Colton Wong and Jackie Bradley Jr. And here we are. Yeah, at the end of the day, I think this would be the best comparison to sum up the issues with why this team isn't working because teams can be have a lack of talent in a number of places and still succeed or at least offensive talent but you need everybody else to come out absolutely firing I mean we've talked about it quite a bit over this past couple weeks at least the Red Sox definitively have the best four in base like four through lineup in baseball over a number of stretches. I mean, there's multiple statistics that prove that. And there's an argument that they might have a, at least a top five, one through, or five. Granted, it's not one through five, it's two through six, but I'm not going to complain about that. This team has three. We're identifying Colton Wong, Christian Yelich, and Willie Adamas as consistent impact guys, guys that are either some semblance of near 800 or over 800 or close enough with can, enough home runs. Can, can we throw Omar Narvaez in there? Cause I think he's been 
He's been yeah. pretty underrated this year. He's been good too. So we'll throw yeah. him in there. Yeah. Still, and, still the point stands though, I think. Definitely. Yeah. So we've we're looking at four there. Where all right, maybe throw let's throw Evisel Garcia in and make that five and five. Their top five against the Red Sox top five. Now the Red Sox top five are legitimately carrying the the lineup, and so are these top five. However, is Christian Yelich JD Martinez? Tell me, Brendan. Not I'll this year, no. No. Is Colton Wong Rafael Devers? No. Uh the stats are, are, are good for Colton Wong, but it's not it's not Rafael Devers numbers. No, absolutely not. Is Willie Adamas Xander Bogarts? Since he's got on the Brewers, yes, but in general, no. On the whole, no. Talent wise, offensive talent wise, no. No. So yeah. the point being, you need elite, elite, an elite four guys to be able to actually be successful and be a top 10 offense with an inconsistent bottom four. This is not anywhere near the group that we're talking about as their top five guys are nowhere near elite. No, but you, you, and I don't think you're going to like this next thing I'm going to say. I can see this team somehow making like the NLCS this year, just getting some really lucky home runs in the playoffs and they just pitch a couple gems. I mean, I talk about it a lot how how much the the MLB playoffs I I feel is is based on luck because you play a 162 game season and now it's okay it's a three game series or or it's it's a best of five series it's a best of seven series to determine something I mean we see the best teams in the league lose to the worst team in the league in a three game series throughout the season and who's saying that something like that can't happen in the playoffs. We see upsets in the MLB playoffs happen all the time. Who would have thought that the Miami Marlins would have taken two straight games in Chicago last year during the playoffs. This, this Brewers team just screams to me, they're going to somehow, whether it's, they get a wild card game. I mean, they're say they certainly been, been running hot and have the lead in this division. And this was a big series for them against the Cubs, but I, I just feel like they could somehow luck into a couple homers here and there, and we're talking about them in the NLCS. Oh, sure. And, I mean, it's for the same reason or similar reasons that a lot of other teams have a very good shot. Honestly, that's why it's so exciting to make the postseason. Like, not only is it the hardest postseason to get into of among North, North American sports, but it should be the most exciting. I'm it's sorry. the hardest to win, too, yeah. I would say. Yeah. If you're, or if yeah, more so if you're the front runner because of the oh, expectation, yeah. like you're kind of in a mind being forced into a mindset that you should be winning these games. However, you, if you're the eight seed in the NBA, if you're who is the who even was an eight seed this year? I'm forgetting. Oh no, it was so dumb because they yeah. had the top ten seeds making. Oh the right, right, right. Yeah. If, all right, there it is. If you're the Washington Wizards. You're in the playoffs. Do you really actually think you're going to be winning the whole thing? No, no. because the only only like the top four guys, four teams have in each division have any sort of shot of getting there. However, in baseball, you if you're getting into those five teams in each division or in each conference, 
league, there's the right word, um, you can win it. If you're in the playoffs, you definitively can win the World Series. It's just a matter of who you match up well against and what kind of heat you have. So if they if they go into the playoffs in good form, I 100% agree with you that they could make a run because I can easily see them winning a first-round series here or a divisional round series here because def- no matter what, you're going to have Woodruff, Burns, and Hauser. The odds of you blowing that, or I'm not, sorry, not Hauser, uh, Freddie Peralta. Um, the odds of you blowing two of those games is slim. Then you'd probably have to throw somebody like Adrian Hauser in, who again is not atrocious, like 416 ERA, but I would take him over many other guys that have ERAs comparable. So he's not like, that's a fine game. I don't think you're going to end up down 2-1 coming out of the first three games. And then all of a sudden you have your, your freshest of those three. So the pitching matchups work incredibly well in Milwaukee's favor for a five-game series. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, we're, we're just going to have to see what happens. If, if, if they keep up this, this brand of baseball, they're going to be that team that people are like, you know, do we, do we really trust them? Like, do we trust this, this pitching staff to come through just a couple more times in the playoffs? I mean, that's really all it comes down to when, when you think about it. Can we get like another 10 good starts, 10 total starts out of our pitchers? And if we can, we're going to win the, we can win the World Series. Like, that's what it comes down to. Can I get 10 shutout starts, 10 good, good starts from our, from my pitcher, pitchers? This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And that's, that's pretty much the path to a World Series. Some... Of course, uh, timely hits here and there, but yeah, this is going to be a scary Brewers team because both Woodruff and Burns are only on their second year of service time, so they're going to be there for a while, and Willie Adamas is only on his second year of service time, so they have some guys to to sort of sort of build around here it's just you know what are they going to do because they don't have they have one top 100 prospect i mean they have a pretty bad farm system so yeah i don't know uh certainly a fun team to talk about they're a bit 
unique. Love their pitching. Yeah. All right, so why don't we get into game three here? Yeah, Yankees and Angels. Yankees offense comes alive in this one. Starts it off. Gary Sanchez with a homer in the bottom of the first. He stays hot. Yankees go up one nothing. But in the top of the second, Jose Iglesias, two-run home run. The Angels take the lead, but not for long is in the bottom of that inning. Brett Gardner ties it up with a sack fly, very shallow sack fly that Gio Rochella tagged up on. Then DJ LeMahieu with the RBI single to make it 3-2 Yankees. Aaron Judge goes deep, 18th homer of the year. The Yankees lead 5-2. Shohei Otani steps up in the third inning and rips his 27th homer of the year. Uh, and that would pull the Angels within two runs. They would trail 5-3 to three at that point. In the bottom of the fourth, the Yankees pile it on. Miguel Andujar, Papa Do with a sixth homer of the year, puts the Yankees up 6-3. Gary Sanchez with an RBI double makes it 7-3. Luke Voigt doubles to make it 8-3. And then Glaber Torres singles. It is 10-3 Yankees after four innings. Otani steps up in the fifth. He goes yard again. Three homers in two games for him uh, in his 28th of the year, league leading now. And uh, that pulls the Angels within five. It would be 10 to five at that point, but they go on to lose by the score of 11 to five. Jameson Tyone gets the win, five and a third, five earned runs and four strikeouts. The loss to Andrew Haney, three innings, five hits, seven earned. And four strikeouts for him. And the Yankees uh, get a much-needed win. All I'll say is that the Yankees need to win three games in a row. Until then, it's a must-win game, if that makes sense for us. Once we reel reel off a couple in a row, that's when we can get back to must-win games. But until then, we need to win three in a row to get to – the must-win games. That's 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 what I'll so, say. So so you're saying like the situation is like past must-win crisis level to you got to get on a good run before you get into the real momentum. Yeah, once we get to you know what, so if let's say that we win tomorrow and Thursday, and we win three out of four against the Angels and we're on a three-game win streak, then this series this weekend against the Mets turns into must win Friday's game turns into must win as we had won three in a row. And now we're actually trying to be serious about competing. Look, what I saw tonight, sure. It was the angel. Sure. It was Andrew Haney, but I mean, this is like the old style of Yankees baseball here. Base runners all over the place. I mean, 11 hits, nine walks on the night. Home runs, you know, that we weren't really getting. The last two games, we've had two home runs each, which certainly – or actually, we had three tonight, excuse me. Uh, I forgot that Andujar went deep. That's right. Uh, and overall pitching, like, yeah, a Jamison Tyone didn't pitch the best, but he had a big lead, and he gets the win. Uh, pitched into the sixth inning, which, I mean – 
I, I, I guess that's fine. I mean, I'm not going to complain. Certainly, would I be happy with five runs? Normally, no, but it doesn't matter because the offense, I mean, I mean, this is what the offense is supposed to be doing is putting these games out of reach early, like tonight. And we need to keep up this same sort of philosophy, same, same sort of mojo, same sort of focus. And uh, yeah, we'll have to see where, where this uh, series takes us with Otani on the mound tomorrow. LJ, it is a big day for Otani tomorrow. He's not only going for a bingo bango Yahtzee, but is also pitching. So very important day for Shohei Otani. Um, I do have a question, and it's not it's not intended as a shot towards you or the Yankees. I'm just interested in your overall thought process on Induhar and left. Because I, under, I fully understand and respect the fact he is a true third baseman. He's a natural infielder. However, I feel like I've seen a lot of natural infielders be far more successful learning to defend in the outfield than he has. And it's not like me just trying to blow up big mistakes, but it just feels it, the overall vibe I have consistently gotten from watching him play defense in left field is a questionability of whether he knows what he's doing. Maybe that's just my perspective. But I, mean, I, I, I have yet to feel confident in him. And Duhar and left is better than Clint and right. And Clint is a natural outfielder. So, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, in terms of outfield jump and Duhar is very good. Uh, outs above average, you know, not the best. But in terms of like his sprint speed and his outfield jump, he gets a good jump on the ball. He's not good at catching balls like by the wall yet, though, because he's never really had to do something like this, like ever. So he's, you know, I, I can't get mad at him because he, he's hit his way into the, the lineup. So, and at this point, we really don't have anyone else to, to throw out there. So, oh, yeah, I get it. It and, is what it uh, is at this point. I mean, I will, you know, take the Andujar in left field because I know that it's 10 times worse than Clint in right field. That guy is just a freaking nightmare. I cannot believe that, you know, we thought that he was good because he was a gold glove finalist last year. He legitimately can't throw the ball to save his life. And I just... Most people were shocked that he was a gold glove finalist last year. The Clint Frazier experiment needs to something needs to change because statistically one of the worst hitters in the league this year, statistically one of the worst, actually the worst fielder in the league this year. When LJ, he went from the 80th percentile of outs above average last year to the first percentile. He was good in right field last year. He was a good fielder last year. And all of a sudden, he forgot how to hit and forgot how to field. Because in 2020, he could hit and he could field. And he just showed up to the stadium this year just completely broken. Just... Sounds sounds a lot like... But no, we can't send him down, LJ, because we're going to use his option. Oh, no. 
we're going to use his last option. And then next year, we're not going to be able to send him down again. What are we going to do? We're going to have to waive him if we want to send him down. Guess what? No one is claiming him on waivers right now. Are you kidding me? They're, they're also watching him play. Trust me, they don't care about his 95th percentile walk rate because it doesn't matter. He sucks. He sucks, LJ. Send him down. Bring up Hoyt John Park. He has over 1,000 OPS in AAA. We have two outfielders in AAA with over 1,000 OPS yet refuse to bring them up because we're going to use Clint's precious option. Speaking of which, how was your first baseman? Luke Boyd? Did you go back down? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boyd's back, duh. Yeah. How did did that experiment end? Let's get in. Yes. so we were playing in, in Buffalo and he hit his first career home run, which was very nice for Chris Gaines. Uh, one quick thing on him, his father told him that he wasn't going to go to any of his, his minor league games. He wasn't going to go to any of his games from the point when he was drafted until he made the majors. And sure enough, his first major league game, his father was there. First time watching him play since he got drafted. Stood to his word. He said, I'm not going to support you at your games until you make the the majors. So, yeah, no. uh, uh, Chris Gittins, look, was it better than Jay Bruce? Was it better than than having to roll out DJ at first and Rubinetto Door at second every day? No. Maybe. I mean, it was nice to have a new face in there because, because people <laughs> weren't getting mad at him. Like, he, he, was, he was the new call-up. So it's like, oh, well, if he's bad, we just can't get mad at him because he was killing it in AAA <laughs> anyways. But, yeah. No bueno. All right, let's move on to our next game, another game in the American League East, and it was a slugfest between the Boston Red Sox and the Kansas City Royals. This one started with a leadoff home run from Whit Merrifield, which started a flurry of offense going deep into this game. Frankly, a little too deep, if you ask me, as we end up with it being a 6 or I'm sorry, yeah, 6-5 game on a Ryan O'Hearn home run in the top of the fifth with both starters still in the game? Yes, both starters were still in the game at this point. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not going to completely complain about uh, management. However, neither of these guys had their best stuff today. If anything, you were just inflating both of their ERAs by making them go through this torture but we have we get it going here and then in the bottom of the sixth jd martinez hit his 20th double of the season this scores michael chavis and alex verdugo to put the red sox on top seven to six as they notch yet another come from behind win here as Yaxel Rios gets his second win of the year, it coming in relief of Nick Pavetta, who went four and a third, allowing six earned runs and five strikeouts. The loss will go to Brents of Kansas City, who had uh, 
pretty blatant command issues to come in relief of Keller, who went five innings, allowing 10 hits, six earned, and five strikeouts, or four, or excuse me, no strikeouts, five walks. The save will go to Matt Barnes. All right, Phillies and the Marlins. Andrew McCutcheon gets it going in the bottom of the first with an RBI single. That makes it one nothing Philly. Bottom six, we jump two with the score still one nothing, and Reese Hoskins goes yard, seventeenth homer of the year, and it's two to nothing Phillies. Odubel Herrera steps up in the seventh. He rips a double the center field, which will score another run. It's three nothing Philadelphia. Then a wild pitch later in the inning makes it four nothing. However, the Phillies try their best to blow this game, as in the eighth. Jose Alvarado uh, allows a wild pitch, which puts the Phillies or puts the, excuse me, puts the Marlins on the board at uh, scoring one run. And then in the ninth, Adam Duvall hits a two run home run to pull within one, but the Phillies are able to get out of it and they win this one four to three. The wind of Vince Velasquez, seven innings, two hits of shutout ball with seven Ks and no walks. Fantastic start from him. He's now three and two on the year. Trevor Rogers gets the loss here. Uh, seven and five on the year, five and two thirds, two hits, two earned, nine Ks and four walks. LJ, he has five losses in a 2.14 ERA. He sucks. He's terrible. Yeah, no. It the must, 80s would hate him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Can't can't win rookie of the year. He's seven and five. Can't do it. Can't do it. He's a terrible pitcher. Uh, Jose Alvarado gets his third save on the season. Next up, we've got the Mariners and the Toronto Blue Jays as Toronto gets their offense going early they get two off of a Marcus Simeon double and then another off a sack fly by Kevin Biggio in the fifth to extend to a three nothing lead Ty France then went yard for his the eighth time this season to tie the game up in the sixth but it was all Blue Jays from there Bo Bichette goes yard Marcus Simeon goes yard for his 19th home run of the year and the Blue Jays win this one nine to three Give the win to Robbie Ray, who went six innings, allowing three earned with 10 strikeouts. The loss will go to Rafael Montero, allowing those three, the next three earned in relief of Chris Flexen, who went five innings, allowing three earned. All right, on to the Padres and the big red contraption, the Cincinnati Reds. The Hunt uh, for Reds October. The Hunt for Reds October. Top one, Jake Cronenworth triples to score Fernando Tatis. Padres go up one nothing, and then Manny Machado with a sacrifice fly to make it 2 nothing. Tyler Stevenson singles in the bottom of the first to put the Reds on the board. Tommy Pham then has a sack fly in the second and a home run in the fourth. That puts... The Padres up 4-1. Trent Grisham makes it 5-1 with a single of his own. 
the Reds score in the fourth on a Shogo Wakayama single, and then in the fifth on Jesse Winker's 19th homer of the year. That pulls them within one to five to four, but that score would hold for the entire rest of the game. The Padres walk away with a win here. Both teams using seven pitchers, excuse me, both teams using eight pitchers in this game as the Padres opt for uh, the, the bullpen game today. No starter. They just had a bunch of guys fill in innings and the win goes to Emilio Pagan who pitched the eighth inning uh, clean struck out the side. He's now four and oh, the loss goes to Tony Santillian. Hey, hey Tony. Hey, Tony. Uh, yeah. He takes the loss now one and two. He went three innings, two earned and four Ks. Mark Melanson with his 25th save on the season. All right, next up is probably, of course, we can only fit so much in the title, so I would call this the tertiary. This is like the sub-subtitle. You got like you got the main title, then you have the plus title, the subtitle, then you have that tertiary subtitle here, the Orioles and the Astros, and this was not a fun game coming down the stretch. Cedric Mullins went yard in the first to give Baltimore their first lead, which they would then extend to a 3-1 lead in the top of the fifth with an Austin Hayes RBI single. The Astros did manage to tie it up and keep this game as close as 4-3, but then the top of the eighth happened. Brandon, the top of the eighth was not pretty for Houston. They gave up a five-piece in this inning, very crooked number, only to give up four more in the top of the ninth as the Orioles beat the Astros for the second straight night, 13-3. Give the win to Andrew Wells? Alexander Wells. Alexander Wells. Yeah, yeah, you know, of course, everyone knows that guy out of the Orioles bullpen, of course. Hey, Wells. I mean, I'm just literally just guessing through generic um, names at this point. Anyway, he came in. Pitched two and two-thirds. They did quite a few long relief since throughout this one. The loss goes to Ralph Garza Jr. He Ralphed all over the mound today. Actually, he wasn't the biggest Ralpher of the group. Um, Both the guy who got the win and the loss in this game, based on their stat lines, should not have got it. Just like, just just by like looking. Okay. Like, you know, I know the rules – say say a say a differently but if like you were looking the guy who got the loss had a much worse line than the guy who got the win yeah honestly yeah so he went an inning in two-thirds one hit one earned three strikeouts that's not terrible then you get into Stanek behind him four hits five earned two walks a home run and then Garcia after that adds in those four in the ninth and it was just this is not a fun time to be an Astros fan as you're getting embarrassed by the Baltimore Orioles. The Baltimore Orioles don't even want to do this either. Well, can we talk about how they put in a position player to pitch the ninth when they were only down uh, nine to three? And they put a position player in to start the ninth inning. Our Garcia is Robel Garcia. He's 
their backup center fielder. They put him into pitch for the ninth, a la Tony Larusa against the Red Sox. You know, only down by a couple of runs. You know, really don't. Well, I mean, to be fair, with the way that the Astros bullpen pitched today, yeah, it's not. It's not like they were going to get another better guy out there for both the ninth, or even if you had to force the tenth or eleventh. But if I recall correctly, was when Tony Larusa used it against the Red Sox was that it was like a, a five run header? game. It, it was a no, no, no. It was the night. It was the day after the doubleheader. Okay, so that's so that's a a bit better. But I know for it was still like a four or five run game with like three innings left. Yeah, and then well, when you have a doubleheader, you get a twenty seventh man on your roster. They 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 let you have another pitcher on your roster for that reason, and. And in my memory, they did a pretty good job of managing the bullpen during the doubleheader. Like, it wasn't a matter of these guys are all gassed. I have absolutely no one to go to here or no one I want to go to. It was just a matter of, okay, I'm just going to save my time for another day, which plenty of managers are employing now. I'm not, I'm still not entirely sure how I feel about it. Yeah, it's safe to say that competitive. From a competition standpoint, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, when you had your top guy out of the bullpen, you were using him, like, pretty much every day. I mean, some of these guys were pitching 80, 90 games a year. I mean, some of the extreme cases. The one guy that I think of is the really extreme case, Mike Marshall, He won the Cy Young Award, first ever reliever to win the Cy Young. Uh, In 1974, he pitched in 106 games. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner to win the Cy Young uh, 106 games 21 saves he finished 83 games for the Dodgers that year and yeah it's safe to say we're not going to see pitchers pitching 106 games there was a stretch where he pitched in 13 games in a row nowadays pit uh teams don't use guys for three days in a row so oh I I, I know but with that being said, they've got to find some some solution here to promote the use of bullpen arms over this. I mean, either either the league needs to focus more on two-way players or they need to find a solution to this because, Brandon, you can easily see this being – I mean, the shift – it's a lot like the shift, actually. I will go ahead and say that in the fact that it's per- perfectly legal. It's sound strategy most of the time. However, if you let it run rampant, it will start to decrease the entertainment value of the game. Yeah, you know, I certainly don't think that the position players pitching is 
necessarily gotten that bad yet. Oh, it all right, it's more it's, than any it's other on year. track to get bad with the way that it's trending. Yes, it it, it could get bad, but I it, think now that we're seeing offenses get a little bit better, that's why we have seen the last couple of days. I mean, ever since they started the the substance checks, LJ, I'm not sure if we probably not today, but we'll have to look at it. I mean, batting averages are up, slugging percentages are up, spin rates are way down. You know, uh line drive rates are up just offense in general is way up which is what the league wanted so you know maybe that's a reason you know we're seeing a, a some some more blowouts i don't know no because i feel like the ones i've noticed or at least the mid the bulk of it was in april may mm. so like there was a lot more happening in april and may i think than recently that i at least i have noticed so either way, we're trending towards the most position player innings that we've seen in a very long time. So based on that, if it works for these high-level teams, if it works for a team like the White Sox, why aren't more teams going to try it on a more consistent basis in the years to come? And it's just going to make less entertaining innings. Like, it's amusing. Like, don't get me wrong. I turned off the 18 to three or whatever it was. I don't even remember the score. I'm trying to block it out of my mind game against the blue Jays a couple weeks ago where the Red Sox lost. However, I turned it on when I noticed that Christian Arroyo was pitching in the ninth inning. Yeah. So as okay. a fan, like as a, as like a deep fan, I'm incredibly intrigued just to see what happens. However, if you're a casual fan or even if this becomes a regular thing, it's going to become real old, real fast because these guys cannot actually pitch. One one example I can think of where I certainly wasn't happy was Yankees versus Red Sox in 2018 when Brock Holt hit for the cycle yes, in sir. that complete blowout. The The Yankees bring in Austin Romine to pitch the end of that game in a playoff game that was not one of my my brightest moments as as a fan which game was that again that was the game when uh, game was, three or four maybe game three because I believe, i'm like 90 percent it's game three because luis judge severino didn't know what time the game the, oh yeah you can go ahead judge played new york new york outside the uh, dugout on game two and then brock came and just hit piss missiles over his head well the story behind that one was that it started at like 7 30 do this something keep making this excuse and, no it's a, not an excuse no 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 it's not an excuse it's, it's not an excuse your incompetency by by an organization aaron boone didn't tell luis severino that the game started at 7 30 so he prepared as if the game started at seven o'clock realized midway through his pregame routine that the game started a half hour later completely threw him off he gets shelled yeah i mean um well for starters i don't think that that is being while, while that is incompetence that cannot account for everything that happened that night no it can't but it's it was just like you know we were off from from the very start it was it was a stacked deck. You were screwed from two nights before. It was a stacked screwed. deck. You've been screwed since two nights before. 
No, it was just it was it, it was a rough night in the Bronx. Yeah, the man. Mets and the Braves. And wait, you forgot uh, what the very important and mostly unrelated part where you flash forward two years into the winter and decide that Brooks Krisky is a more important piece of your 40-man roster than Garrett Whitlock might be. Brooks Krisky is solid. Brooks Krisky is solid. Brooks Krisky is not a very... To be fair, we had to make room for a left-handed arm, which is what we did. Okay, you got me there. Garrett Whitlock, I don't even think ever appeared in the majors for the Yankees. No, I don't think one. No, he, he, he got like kind of buried in double A unfairly. He wasn't because he, he, he wasn't good. Really? Because Yankees Twitter would beg to differ. In 2019, in, in a double A, he had. Okay. All right, and admittedly, okay. I do know what happened because he did. He did have a uh, some form of el- elbow surgery or arm surgery. Yeah, like he he didn't even play in 2020, so I don't blame the Yankees. I mean, this guy wasn't even capable of pitching, and he had he had never pitched above the AAA level. I don't blame them for not keeping him on the 40 man, so he can't get selected in the Rule Five draft. Brandon, I'm about to retweet something from the. MLB daily account so everyone can see it. The greatest tweet from all of 2018. Oh, great. Let's see what it is. Garrett Whitlock is good. You've heard it from his teammates. (laughs) They literally put together a two minute, 19 second highlight reel and discussion reel on Garrett Whitlock two years ago. And let him walk. I'm gonna just. I'm reading it. some of these replies. Is he better than Chase and Shreve? I kind of forgot that that a uh, Chase and Shreve was just the absolute like punching bag for all for all Yankees fans when it was going wrong that year. Chase and Shreve, Giovanni Gallegos. Let me tell you, when they got traded for Luke Voigt. The fan reaction for Chase and Shreve being gone, I think, was better than it was. Uh, just so on par with Drew, the Drew Pomeranz tenure in Boston. Yeah, I'd say that that's fair. Well, next, the Mets and the Braves played a pretty boring one. Ozzy Albies opens up the scoring in the bottom of the fifth with a three-run home run. James McCann ties it in the top of the seventh with a three-run bomb of his own. And then Francisco Lindor comes through with a big RBI single to put the Mets up four to three. They hold on to win by that score. The win goes to Drew Smith out of the bullpen. Tyler Miguel got the start for the Mets. Five innings, three earned, eight Ks. The loss to A.J. Minter out of the Atlanta bullpen. Charlie Morton, six innings, three or seven Ks. Edwin Diaz gets his 17th save on the season. I am up next. Sorry, I was still watching that video. Great. Um, at the Twins game. Yeah. The Minnesota Twins they took on the Chicago White Sox today in 
quite a nail biter as things came down towards this end. Things started off with a two run home run by Josh Donaldson, his 12th of the year. From there, Chicago manages to get on a big time run here, getting up as much as 7 2 in the bottom of the fifth. The Twins would not manage to respond until the top of the seventh, where Nelson Cruz doubled, Max Kepler doubled, and then a ground out RBI made this a 7-5 game going into the late innings. Jorge Polanco drove in one more in the top of the ninth, but that would not be enough to top the White Sox, who win 7-6. Give the win to Lucas Giolito. He went six innings, allowing three earned with one, one strikeout. Um, I was not expecting to see that. Kenta Maeda gets the loss. He went four and two-thirds, allowing eight hits, and seven earned runs with four strikeouts. His ERA is now a 5.56. The save will be given to Liam Hendricks, his 21st of the year. Oh, LJ, did you see what what a, what a Lucas Giolito had to say about Josh Donaldson after the game? No. Here's the quote. Uh, He's an effing pest. If you're going to talk shit, talk shit to my face. We won. The W is next to my name, and they're in last place. You know, for a former, he won an MVP, right? Yeah, 2015. Over Mike Trout, which is ridiculous. But For a former MVP, this man does way too much to get attention. I mean, I feel like Lucas Giolito is a pretty, like, reserved, quiet, quieter guy who he has, like, no, he has a great personality. I don't mean like that, but you never see him just calling out people like this and swearing in press conferences. Yeah. So whatever Donaldson did, I'm not sure exactly what happened. Whatever Donaldson did, I mean, this guy just seems to get on everyone's nerve. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is like the fourth or fifth time that he has had it out with a pitcher this year. And he has uh, a book of pitchers that he's going to release. All the pitchers are cheating. It's what he said. Yeah, exactly. Again, exactly. Not only is that just like not necessary for the game. It's entirely for him. Like. It, again, it's it's, it's not a, necessary it's for the game. For him. It's, just it's all for him. It's all just to keep his name in people's heads. Like, he just wants to be talked about. He craves the attention, obviously, which isn't something you see in, I feel like, in baseball nearly as much as other sports, except for with Josh Donaldson, who will literally do anything he can to get talked about. Well, a team that has also been trying to do anything they can to get talked about is the Arizona Diamondbacks. And they have another road game in this one as it gets started off in a rough way as Nolan Arenado goes deep, a two-run bomb in the bottom of the fifth inning. And that makes it uh, 2-0 St. Louis. Eduardo Escobar singles in the sixth to make it two to one. Tommy Edmond then singles in the sixth. That puts the Cardinals back up three to one. Uh, 
Tavin Smith would walk in the seventh with the bases loaded to pull Arizona within two, but the Cardinals hold on to win. Uh, according to my count, the Diamondbacks have lost 27 out of their last 28 games on the road uh, as they drop this one three to two. Carlos Martinez gets the win. Wow, yeah, this is the, the this is when you know that it's been a rough season for Arizona. Martinez now four and nine on the year with probably his best start of the season. Six innings, four hits, one earned, and six Ks. Caleb Smith gets the loss, five innings, two earned, eight Ks. Alex Reyes gets a six-out save and his 19th on the season. Next up, we have the Rangers and the A's. This, yes, I'm sorry. I had something caught in my throat. This one starts with a home run in the bottom of the first by Sir Matt Chapman, followed up by another solo piece in the fourth by Joey Gallo to tie it up. From there, these two teams will trade runs right down to the top of the ninth, where a Nick Solak home run makes this a 5-2 game for Texas. Jed Lowry and Mitch Moreland both went yard in this one to try to bring it back to at least a tie or possibly get the win here for Oakland, but they fall short, losing 5-4. to four. Give the win to Mike Fultonevich. He went seven innings, allowing two earned and six strikeouts. The loss goes to James Caprillion. He went six innings, allowing three earned and six strikeouts. The save goes to Ian Kennedy, his 14th of the year. All right, let's wrap it up with the last two games. First, the Dodgers and the Giants. Bottom one, Chris Taylor with an RBI double that scores two, and the Dodgers go up 2-0. In the third, Max Muncy crushes his 17th homer of the year. The Dodgers take a 3-0 lead. The Giants finally get on the board in the top of the seventh. Steven Duggar with an RBI double. And it's three to one. The Dodgers call on Kenley Jansen for the save in the ninth. In Kenley fashion, he hits the first batter, walks the second. So the go ahead run at the plate. They have a mound visit. Jansen then gets Brandon Crawford to strike out, Wilmer Flores to fly out, and Steven Duggar to strike out to end the game. Dodgers win three to one and have now won five in a row the Giants have lost three in a row the win to Walker Bueller six and two thirds no earned runs and seven strikeouts the loss to Kevin Gaussman now eight and two on the year uh Walker Bueller improved to eight and one uh the line for Kevin Gaussman five innings three hits three earned and Kenley Jansen with his 20th save of the season as for Colorado and the Pirates, this one was pretty non-competitive. The Rockies score two in the second. They get a Garrett Hampson double and Josh Fuente single. In, that was in the second inning. The fifth, Elias Diaz goes deep. Charlie Blackman singles and Trevor Story doubles to make it 5-0. Pitchers who rate Herman Marquez in the sixth inning with his third double of the year. We'd love to see that. And he drives in a run 
makes it six nothing. Rymel Tapia makes it seven nothing. Trevor Story eight nothing. Look, the offense not the story in this one. Herman Marquez takes a no hitter into the ninth inning, and then allows Kaye Tom, who is one of the worst hitters in the league this year, to break it up. Just. Real tough. Could have been the second no-hitter in Rockies history behind the greatest pitcher in Rockies history, Ubaldo Jimenez, who was the first to do that. LJ, you cert- you put in the title here. This uh, is Herman Marquez, the Rockies' goat again. Is he the best pitcher of all time in the franchise's history? Sure, he gets the complete game one-hit shutout tonight, but he still can't get the no-hitter. and. I'm afraid that the best pitcher in franchise history has done that. So um I'm gonna this is this is a terrible spot for me to be in. I'm gonna have to defend Herman Marquez here because you are now operating like the battlefield is completely different than it was what it was a month ago. Before you got like all obsessed with him having a four ERA, like you were willing to say that he was more impactful to the franchise, a greater, the best pitcher in Rockies franchise history, or at least you weren't as opposed to it as you are now. And yet now all of a sudden he has to have this. No, 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 no. He's look, I'm. You just I've keep pushing the goalposts. No, I've never said he's a bad pitcher. But for a guy who has a career ERA with the team over four, it, it just I, I have trouble calling him the best pitcher ever in franchise's history when Ubaldo Jimenez had a, a three six six. I mean, Armand Marquez is up over four. Look, Ubaldo Jimenez was I'm, – I'm just trying to appreciate Ubaldo, who put up a five-and-a-half war and then a seven-and-a-half war season. Meanwhile, our guy, Herman Marquez, with the Rockies, he's not sniffing that at all. I mean, three-and-a-half war, four-and-a-half war, three war, certainly a good stretch, but that's no seven-war season there. So that's why I have to give it to Ubaldo. He's the second best pitcher in Colorado Rockies franchise history. And look, here's the good thing, LJ. They've now both pitched the same amount of years with the team. So from now on, it only gets easier for Herman Marquez as he can just keep racking up all the counting stats. And eventually, he will be the best pitcher in this franchise's history yeah. when he gets all the strikeouts and all that stuff, and he can lead in all those stats. But as of right now, they both played six seasons with the team. Ubaldo Jimenez is the best pitcher in this franchise's history. I will leave you with one stat because this whole conversation, I think it's fair to say he had a blow up. I want to say it was like three weeks ago. Some point, yeah. And you're like, I can't give it to somebody who has a four year a person with a four ERA cannot be the uh, team's greatest pitcher ever. I don't care about Cora's all that. Well, Brandon, I believe it's since you said that, or it's the start after you said that 
he has gone on a tear where in his last three appearances, he's allowed four hits. <laughs> he's He has to be an avid listener of the show. Oh, yeah. To catch that exact episode? Yeah. I mean, wow. I'm just... I'm just looking at the offenses he faced, though. All right, so he had a blow-up against Cincinnati where he allowed 12 hits and eight runs. So that was June 12th. Since then, six innings, one hit against the Milwaukee Brewers. Eight innings, two hits against the Seattle Mariners. In nine innings, one hit against the Pirates. That's three of the worst offenses in the league. Still fantastic, though. Don't get me wrong. He is making the worst offenses in the league look like the worst offenses in the league. So props to him for that. I mean, this this stretch he's on certainly had to be in consideration for player of the week now. Oh, no, I guess not because the 23rd, yeah, last week. No, well, two two good starts in a row. You combine his last three starts. That is 23 innings, three hits, one earned run. Not bad. Hey, Brandon, did you know that Garrett Whitlock has a lot of, quote, a lot of upside and is, quote, a player to watch? Yeah, he is he now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just found this tweet earlier today, and I just, I adore it. It's my favorite thing on the internet right now. Look, Garrett Whitlock, first of all, it surprised me that the Red Sox would use a Rule 5 draft pick because you have to keep that guy on your roster for the entire year. Like well, you, 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 you can't take him off your roster. This is a guy well, who never even pitched above double A. And you're just saying we're going to keep him on our major league roster for a full 162 game season. All right. You know what? I'm actually, I'm going to defend this because I think the rule five draft gets a really bad rap. No, it's a great idea. I, I, I uh, absolutely love it, but I can't believe that this is who you would not waste, but use your pick on. Certainly wasn't a waste. Garrett Whitlock is good. Yeah. But to have the, the faith in him, like, okay, he's going to have to make his debut with the team, and no matter what happens, we have to stick with this guy for the whole year. Well, not necessarily. Because, first off, you can go into this with the mentality of, I might not keep him. First off, they I'm sure they absolutely loved him based on how high they were on him coming into the year. So they must have really liked him coming out of the Rule 5. However... If he goes back to the Yankees, if he didn't play up to par and he has to go back to the Yankees, then so what? At least you gave it a try. Yeah. Like, that's it's not the end of the world if he goes back to the other team. It's better to at least get a look at that talent. I mean, if they didn't think he was up to par to be on the team, they wouldn't have let him stay on a roster spot for the entire season. They would have, they would have let him go after spring training. The other thing is not all of these teams want the guy back. <laughs> yeah. There's a re- there's a reason that Jonathan Arauz is currently on our AAA roster. Because Washington said, nah, we good when we waived him. And oh, he was a rule five pick last year. Yes. Jonathan Arauz. Certainly a fun name to say. 
I wish he was better. That would be that would be interesting. Speedy. There was so many picks in this Rule 5 draft in 2020. Well, yeah, that's because nobody wants to pay anybody anymore. There was six picks. That's crazy. Yeah, no. Again, the what, probably... you just have to keep them on your 40 man, right? Do you have to, it's the 40 man for the whole year? Or I thought the it was active, active roster? I thought it was active roster. With, but okay. again, yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense, actually. It's further proving my point here in the fact that there's no way, I am positive, there aren't 56 rule five draft picks currently in the league. Like from this year. So there's probably like 30 or 20 something. I, I would go slightly under that. I can think of I was I was just like reading through these these names and like there's there's guys who are certainly still on teams. It's just a lot of relief pitchers. I mean Actually, the guy yeah. who the, the guy who broke up the no hitter tonight, Kaye Tom. So he got picked from the Indians by Oakland, yet is on Pittsburgh now. So he just got – I'm pretty sure that they didn't want him. The Indians were then like, no, we don't want you either. Is that what happened here? Oh, he just got waived. So – he got picked in the Rule 5 draft, and then they're like, no, like 20 days into the season, we're just going to waive you. Yeah, exactly. They didn't want him, so they let him go. It's They just waived him, yeah. At will sport. Yeah. So fucking Rule 5 draft. Actually, we need to go through and look and figure out who we're giving rule – who's the Rule 5 draft pick of the year. Probably – I mean, look You're at in- these names right now. Akil Badu is up there. A Garrett Whitlock certainly up there because he was picked. Garrett number- Whitlock's good. All right, look, let me tell you, you guys were one pick away from getting Akil Badu. If the Tigers would have taken Garrett Whitlock with the number three pick, Red Sox could have had the sneeze man himself. Yes, we could have had the sneeze man. That's an interesting what if because, you know. I love I love Garrett Willock. Garrett, first off, Garrett Willock's good. Ask his teammates. Garrett Willock is good. But on a serious note, I, I like him a lot out of that bullpen. They like him out of the bullpen. And there is a very strong chance that he has a future role as a starter with this team. So I am very happy to have him and may end up actually long-term choosing him. However, that would be a very interesting situation if they ended up picking up Akil Badu out of that draft because then, like, the rest of that offseason works out very differently. If you have Akil Badu, then odds are you look at a different package for Andrew Benintendi. Yeah, you probably don't get it. Guerrero probably doesn't go into that deal. And, again, he was a very minor part of that deal. Like, there were – four other really good prospects or solid prospects that went over in that deal with a lot of upside, lesser known guys with a lot of upside. So he was far from the main piece of it. However, there may have been a more interesting, either a more interesting prospect put in or perhaps a another position, major league ready guy. Like 
honestly, you, you might not even get a major league ready guy in that deal then if that's the case. Because like that was the main justification for trading for a bringing in Franchi Cordero is then at least you know you have a full-time guy, a non-utility guy who can consistently play all three outfield spots. Well, I just looked uh, at this Rule 5 draft. So there was 18 MLB picks. There was 56 AAA phase pays picks. So, oh. but out of the 18 MLB picks, three were from the Yankees. I'm sorry, I'm, I lost you. Oh, I said out of the three or out of the 18 MLB picks, three were from the Yankees. Really? So, so a Garrett Whitlock, number four to the Red Sox. Oh. Kyle Holder, number 11 to the Phillies. And Trevor Steven, number 15 to the Indians. I thought you meant the I thought you meant the Yankees made three. No, 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 no. They had three players taken from their organization as the Yankee, as LJ says, the Yankees spit on them and they told them you're not good enough. No good. No, honestly, like I bet you that these organizations do feel bad for these players. They just don't have room on their 40-man roster for them. Honestly, yeah. Also, can we talk about how interesting the what if would be if they had rostered Garrett Whitlock and brought him to spring training? Because you can't deny he's been he has produced pretty consistently throughout the entire spring training. Would you would you say he had a at minimum, good, really good chance to make that Yankees bullpen coming out of spring training? There was just so many arms that it was like, I mean, we, if this offseason, like, even I didn't know where we were going to go with the back end of the bullpen. And to be fair, the guy that we had at the back end of our bullpen, like, is just buried in AAA now. I mean, it was between Nick Nelson, Albert Abreu, Nestor Cortez. Nasty Nestor. Uh, I mean, and then we and then we go out and sign uh, Justin Wilson and uh, and uh, Darren O'Day. Wait a minute, Darren O'Day is back. Yeah, he just came back tonight. Really? Brooks Brooks Christie got our our Brooks Christie got optioned yesterday. Albert Abreu got option tonight. LJ, the the uh, Yankees did their famous thing where, oh, we're going to be sending down a guy. Why not just use him for two out of three days because we know he's going to be going back down. And we did the little Albert Abreu experiment once again. The Albert Abreu switcheroo? Yeah, you know, it's just the whole little we're going to use you and then you know that you're going down after this game because because uh, Justin Wilson is back now today. Yeah. So the Yankees got two relievers back. But, yeah, so you, uh, I don't you, know. It, it would have been interesting if, if a Garrett Whitlock would have been there because we probably don't go out and sign Darren O'Day. Exactly, and, exactly my point, which means if you don't go sign Darren O'Day, which was a bulk of the money you freed up, do you even trade Adam Adovino? You know, I, I, I'm going to say, yeah, because we still were looking for a left-handed bat, which... You still needed Brett Gardner. 
You still needed Guardy to go Yardy. You know, we couldn't go and sign, sign Michael Brantley, no. What about Chuck Schwarber? Why do we need an outfielder? We have Mike Talkman and Aaron Hicks and Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stan and Clint Frazier. We have too many outfielders, LJ. What are we going to do? We need to trade Mike Talkman. Too many outfielders. Well, yeah, guess what? That guy, Mike Talkman, who you traded, hit second for the best team in the league right now. And the guy you traded for, Wandy Peralta, is on the IL. And that guy you traded away, Mike Talkman, was the only center fielder on the roster other than Brett Gardner. Just that well, was not I mean, a great Cashman move right there. And I know hindsight's 2020 and it hasn't worked out so far, but it was just a tough Cashman move. Again, I also don't mean this, I don't mean to rub salt in the wound here. However, there was a older, relatively cheap and experienced power bat that happens to go to Washington on the market this winter. Macbo would look pretty nice on this team. Oh, yeah. that will... Kyle Schwarber batting leadoff for the New York Yankees would look pretty nice. A le- oh, my God. A lefty with the short porch. That tell, would be... Tell me you, how hype you would be right now if he was doing that in New York. I'm going to look at what, his, what he signed for, and I'm about to be really mad. I'm not... I, I don't think it was that oh, much. How much... Great. It was much... just the one year. It was just like... A, $7 million with an $11 million option for next year, which is which is just mutual. So it may or may not happen. But and how much up, did Gardner get? Uh, $3 million? And Day, O'Day got? O'Day got, well, his, his deal is weird. So it's 1.7 million this year, 1.4 next year. But if we don't, then we have to buy him out for another three million. So he he's gonna make about four 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 million. And and Gardner's gonna make about five million. He has a player option for next year. So you add up those, that's nine. Schwarber was essentially ten ten million dollars. Yeah, I mean, and, and, you, and you still have a little room under that cap right now. Well, so yeah, and and Ottavino was nine million. Yeah, so, so there, therefore, if you were to bring, if you were to have retained Whitlock, and had that flexibility there, and then still traded Ottavino. No, we're not signing. Signed Schwarber. I just I, fixed I, the Yankees. No, no, that's not fixing the Yankees. <laughs> That's not fit because because guess what? Up until June twelfth, Yankee fans would have been saying, "Oh, this guy Kyle Schwarber sucks." I mean, just reading Yankees Twitter is so frustrating because it's so many like forty and fifty year olds who don't understand that that batting average is not the, that like that it's okay to strike out in today's MLB. They're like, "Oh, all these guys do just big power guys. They just strike out, strike out, strike out." It's like, no, like to be fair. I don't like it. I don't like it that much either. No, I don't like them striking out. But like, people act like that. It's the worst thing in the world. Like Aaron Judge strikes out again to end the game in Boston. It's like, why are we? Why should we pay this guy? It's like, all right, Brad from from the Bronx. Like, I get that you're sixty. 
and you want to voice your opinion and you've been watching since the 70s but you know you should you know just because Aaron Judge is not hitting above 300 and oh it can't be a good hitter unless he hits above 300 if you're hitting anything under that you're not a good hitter like you know newsflash it's not like that anymore I I would still say though I mean I'm not sure what he's hitting right now but I wouldn't consider anyone a great hitter if they were under 280. Like, no matter how many home runs you're hitting, you should be able to do that. Uh, well, LJ, I hate to break it to uh, I, I, look, I was going to say. I'm pulling that number out of thin air. Mike Trout hit 281 in 2020 and finished fifth in MVP voting. You can very much be a good hitter and not hit above 280. 280, but he, he hit above 280 is my point. No, yeah, I know. I think that the year that Stanton won MVP, he hit two, two, all right, 281. Oh, come on, so one point above both <laughs> times? You got to be joking me. You got to be kidding me right now, but it's literally one point above what I needed to be <laughs> my point. All right, hold on. Let me see. I have another example that I want to bring up here. Who is this example? Oh, and you're he, not... He's six points above what I need him to be. <laughs> David Ortiz over his entire career was a 286 hitter. I wanted to see what he was because he's a high strikeout, high walk, high home run guy. And he hit 286. Okay, so... Yeah, honestly... All right, so I, I like I like being right. However, I think a better better comparison is what would you say the on base percentage like? Oh, is? like three eighty? Yeah, that's that that's fair. Three anywhere between three three sixty and three eighty is like pretty good. Anything sure. above four hundred is is like MVP level. Yeah, I mean if 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 you're pushing four hundred on base percentage. You like think if you can even have just an average slugging percentage of around 400, I mean, that already puts you at an 800 OPS. And that's not even as like, you know, in like, and that's if you're kind of a contact guy. So, yeah. Yeah. I think those numbers are fair. Well, I can't believe that, that uh, both examples I tried to use were one batting average point away from uh helping my point but that's okay uh you never got you never got like any who there has to be an exception now that i think about it oh no yeah i was thinking i just thought of one hold on let me look no wow he was a crazy good hitter all right i typed in manny ramirez he Don't do Manny dirty. He was a 312 career hitter. That is that's it. That's crazy. I mean, for a guy who hit over 500 home home runs in his career, 312 is impressive. Wow. What about Frank Thomas? 301. I'm just thinking of like the power guy. I'll find one at some point. Carlos Delgado, 280. There we go. He hit two. He had a three. Or no, actually, he he fits like kind of what we're talking about. Carlos Delgado, a career 280 hitter, 473 home runs, 
which Judge, eh, he he could end up above four hundred, I think, if he if he plays long enough. But a two eighty hitter, three eighty three on base percentage for his who career. Is who Nine, is it we're talking about again? Carlos Delgado. This guy's a good player. What's so bad about Carlos Delgado, a 45 war player? That's what Judge will probably end up at. I mean, realistically, Judge is a 274 career hitter, a 940 OPS. Like, yeah, see, 390 on base percentage for his entire career. Yeah, so perfect. There, There, you know. As for Brad in the Bronx or whatever I said on Twitter. Yeah, Brad, Brad in the Bronx. Um, Brad in the Bronx is having a little issue. Like something about the Cheeto dust is molding in his uh, neck beard. And he's going a little insane reliving the times. Well, I just got told on Aaron Judge's baseball reference page. He's the tallest player to ever hit 50 home runs in a really? season. But oh, I think. So, did you realize that? Um, Xander Bogarts and J.D. Martinez have the two longest uh, on base streaks in the majors. I didn't. That's impressive. But, LJ, we are at an hour and a half. I think it's time that we How wrap How did we get to an hour and a half? The Rule 5 draft uh, the conversation. Rule, <laughs> the Rule 5 draft killed us. Um, yeah, we left this. We also have left this show now with, like, quadruple the amount of title ideas than we ever needed no i think let's just stick let's just stick with with the original we got Brandon, i fixed the yankees no we did but it's, fixed the yankees we fixed them but it's it's i still think it, that we would we'd be saying the same thing about this this roster makeup oh you got another outfielder who hits for power and strikes out and draws walks Oh, I'm just imagining how many more double plays there would have been. <laughs> he's just because he's a because he's a just a guy who walks a lot, and then you he's slow, and you put oh my god, stick him fifth or sixth in the lineup, and it's just well. Perfect. And then even going into this ripple effect a little more again, we can make maybe make this a part a part two tomorrow. Yeah, sure, part um, two tomorrow. Perfect. Part two tomorrow because you have to think about left field now. What if you trade in Duhar instead of Talkman? Because there's nowhere for oh my God, we to have play. a center fielder. Wouldn't that be amazing? We have one of the positions you need to field a baseball team on our roster. That is <laughs> well, also you wouldn't have Gardner, so like you kind of have to have him. I don't know if I'd be able to survive knowing that we didn't sign Brett Gardner, even though he wanted to play. I mean, it would, it, no, like, I think it got to the point where it's like, all right, we don't even care how bad you do. Like, you're, you're just going to get a spot on this team just, just for team chemistry purposes, and that's it. I don't think he ever thought that he would be having to play, like, over 100 games in center field. I just don't think that that's what he was thinking when he signed up for this season. Thank you. I muted LJ again. That's the first time it's happened in a while. It's like it's been like a month or two at this point. Yeah, no. Now I forget what I was gonna say. Oh yeah, it's like yeah. By the end of the season, as the team just falls apart around him, he's in shambles. He just turns into what's his face from uh, Lethal Weapon. 
Danny I'm Glover. I'm too old for this. Yeah, his role. It's his character. Oh, yeah. I don't know his name. I just know. Oh, it's Murtaugh. David okay. Murtaugh. Yeah, I, I think so. I'm too old for this. <laughs> As he's chasing down his like 500th fly ball in center field of the year. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, that's 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 him, all right. Uh, Me about this far from getting slamming in, slamming the bat into the into the 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 roof of the dugout for the thousandth time. Between the Red Sox and the Yankees, we've had some pretty good red dugout tantrums. Yeah, Poppy and Stone, so. twenty thirteen. It's a good one in Baltimore. Yeah. Well, all right. Thank you for listening. Uh, we will be sure to continue this conversation tomorrow. Check out the Twitter at MLB Daily Pod, the TikTok at MLB Daily Pod. Yeah, uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 